From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. The Swamp was lit up for one of the few times outside of fall last week for the Orange and Blue debut, with loads of fans settling in for a more relaxing night than one can expect in the heat of the season. On today's show, we'll recap the action and touch on a few other stories around the program with FloridaGators.com senior writers Scott Carter and Chris Harry. Check in with former Florida football defensive tackle Joey Ivey as he prepares for the NFL Draft, and hear from gymnastics head coach Jenny Rowan on the eve of NCAA championships in St. Louis. But first, all eyes were on the quarterbacks last Friday night in the spring game, so naturally that's where our conversation with Scott Carter and Chris Harry kicked off. Well, I mean, the overall take on the spring game is clearly the quarterback situation. Uh, Felipe Franks gained some separation there, according to uh, Jim McElwain afterward. He said that he's ahead, and uh, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, you're looking at him going into the summer and the offseason as as a leader in that race, and obviously uh, some news later this week with Kyle Trask having some knee surgery. Uh, sounds minor, but, you know, he's going to be back by fall camp, but obviously that will set him back a little bit even more so behind Franks uh, in their uh, conditioning program. So we'll see how uh, Trask fits in come fall. We'll see how Luke Del Rio fits in come fall, and we'll see how Jake Allen uh, fits in come fall. And, you know, one guy who stood out, in the spring game, a lot of people aren't really seriously looking at him as maybe a, a guy in the quarterback race, but Kadarius Tony certainly caught enough people's attention that, you know, he's a guy that they probably are going to use in some capacity. You want to get a, a playmaker like that on the field. He's still raw, still young, still has a lot to learn, but I do believe he earned himself some playing time with a, a pretty good performance. And then from there, Adam, I would think, you look at the defense, uh, the biggest thing that caught my attention was, you know, you realize that they lost a lot of talent there, eight starters, and they have some returning players, but they're really going to have to build some depth uh, on that unit. Certainly in the secondary, uh, in the defensive line, I think the linebackers are going to be pretty solid with the, the four guys there, the Vashon Joseph, David Reese, when he's healthy. Jeremiah Moon had a nice showing, and then you got uh, Kylan Johnson. So, you know, they have some guys in the middle there, but up front and in the secondary, they're going to really look to build some depth on those position groups once fall camp starts. And uh, otherwise, you know, I thought it was a you know, ho-hum kind of game. Uh, Felipe Franks did look, have his moments, but, uh, you know, nothing significant beyond that in my view. The best thing probably that Felipe Franks did was throw that 45, 46-yard play down the right yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Really hit Josh Hammonds in stride, and I think it showed a little bit of arm strength, obviously, and a little bit of touch. But to speak into what Scott said about depth, I mean, the Felipe Franks orange team was playing against a blue team that was, again, that doesn't have a bunch of front-line players on it. There are guys there that are figuring out if, if they're going to uh, uh, make it on the depth chart this year. So you really got to keep it in context relative to what he was doing performance-wise. I mean, uh, Felipe Franks, 8 of 14 for 119 yards, I believe, were the numbers. And that didn't have people leaving the swamp, uh, you know, freaking out about, about his skill. But, I mean, it was a big difference, and he talked about that afterwards, what he was a year ago when he threw three interceptions playing as that blue quarterback, the guy going against a bunch of frontliners. And, of course, that team last year 
has eight guys who I think are going to get drafted in the next couple of weeks uh, by the National Football League. But uh, uh, he has made progress since then. I, I think he could see that to some degree, but there's so much time and so much work that needs to be done between now and but let's not forget, it's not North Texas or Toledo mm-hmm. or Idaho State. It's Michigan in the first game of the season. Looking at Frank specifically year to year, I mean, Scott, from your perspective, what was different? It's, we've only seen him in a spring game setting, but how was last spring different from this spring? Well, I thought that, you know, he did look more comfortable back there. Last year, you could clearly tell this guy was out of his comfort zone. It looked like, you know, he was having trouble really just understanding what exactly to do. Uh, you know, he was more calm this year. Uh, I thought he did make some throws. Uh, that first pass that Chris referenced to Josh Hamlin, or maybe not the first pass, but his longest pass on the first drive, that I'm sure helped his confidence. He said it afterward. Uh, you just know that. For him to get where, you know, Jim McElwain wants him to be, Doug Nussmeyer wants him to be, I think where the Gators need him to be, there's still some work there. And, uh, you know, that's what summer is for. And now that he's been kind of identified as that, at least the leader in the clubhouse going into the summer, uh, there's the mission's clear for him. And, and you'll see how uh, it, he picks it up in the fall and, uh, and go from there. A year ago, Adam, he was three and a half months out of high school. Sure. And now he, he's put in the spring game. And playing against these these really really you know all SEC type players, and he was obviously like Scott said in over his head. Now fast forward that, and you're talking about a guy who has been say 150 some practices and a commensurate number of, of quarterback meetings, and just going to have is naturally going to have a, a better grasp of things, having been in there with Doug Nussmeyer and the offensive staff. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the comfort level was night and day for him, but it still has to get a lot better than it, than I'm sure it is right now. Scott, you mentioned Kadarius Toney, and, and he was a guy that generated a lot of the headlines and certainly the highlights. If he's not going to be the quarterback, per se, because of his skill set, how does he fit in? In what way can Jim McElwain and Nussmeyer, in what way can Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer utilize him in a way that's effective? I think, first of all, you know, just as a change of pace quarterback, maybe uh, give the defense another look on a, a certain drive, uh, maybe when your offense is sputtering. Uh, that's one way, obviously. You know, I think it wouldn't be surprising to me to see him maybe line up a back or a slot receiver and come around and take a pitch. I, I think the main thing, that you just try to get spots uh, when he gets the ball in open space and see what he can do. I think there's a similar plan in place for Dre Massey uh, that they wanted to use last year, but he gets hurt and they're unable to do that. If you look at Jim McElwain, I think his offense, there's a lot of little things that he's always liked to do in that regard. And I think that's just another wrinkle maybe that he can add to to what they have going into the season. Because, you know, whether it's Franks, whether it's Trask, or whether it, you know, it's Luke Del Rio or Jake Allen, all four of those guys are more traditional drop-back quarterbacks, have some athleticism, but not quite like, like Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I certainly saw his uh, that wiggle and that hip movement he had on a couple of those plays. Who knows what kind of things they have in mind for him, but some kind of a, a, a specialty package. And he didn't show anything the other night that would make you think it's a, it's a bad idea in any way, mm-hmm. especially if he has the ball in his hands and he's keeping it and making guys miss the other night like he did. Going back to last year, another storyline in spring was this gaggle of running backs that Florida had and trying to figure out, okay, who was going to get the reps? Was it going to be Cronkrite? Was it going to be Scarlett? Was it going to be Herndon? Who at Mark Thompson? There were so many names involved last year 
And, and if you watch the spring game, it seems like that's really solidified behind Jordan Scarlett. And it seems pretty clear he's going to be the featured back that's going to get most of the big-time carries. Well, I think he's played his way into that spot. Um, you know, he, he's a good-looking back. I think he's put on a little bit of muscle, a little bit of good weight. But at the same time, I still think you're going to see Mark Thompson and Michael Piran be very involved. Uh, but, yeah, I think George Scarlett, he's just kind of from a runner's perspective, uh, he, he's getting the job done. He's got a little bit more size than Piran. His ball security is obviously better than Mark Thompson, who we saw fumble again. So, you know, all three guys have different abilities but I think the best overall just all round back back there is George Scarlett I think that's why he's emerged as the front runner I like three running backs a lot better than four Adam (laughs) to try to weave another guy in there I mean that's just there's just not enough carries right and I think with these three guys you got three guys who are definitively different than the one before him but I just to reiterate what Scott said Mark Thompson I mean this just can't go on anymore he fumbled last year in the spring game he fumbled in the regular season. Everyone talks about how he's got to cut down on his fumbling, and he continues to fumble. Mark Thompson is a nice kid. I remember I, I did a story on him last year sure. when I talked to his when I talked to his junior college coach. He said, "Yeah, he could be a really good player if he doesn't fumble." And something has to give with that. We saw a, a, a player with Florida ties. What happened last year? And as a as someone who follows the Washington Redskins, I saw what Matt Jones was able to do as a player, and he was awarded the starting running back position. I should say good as long as he doesn't fumble because he fumbled as a rookie. And sure enough, he fumbled last year and he disappeared on the depth chart. So uh, uh, you just can't turn the ball over to the other team like that. And again, in that particular instance, the other night in the spring game, Mark Thompson fumbled, and I believe it was two plays later, uh, Felipe Franks threw a touchdown pass to Antonio Calloway. So, you know, you put your, uh, your, your squad in harm's way and the other team capitalized. So I don't, and we saw it last year, and obviously that's something Mark Thompson has to continue to work on. That's got to be a drives the coach's nuts because, Chris, we saw what he can oh do in the Outback Bowl, remember? Yeah, that little yeah. screen pass. So. Yeah, 85-yard screen pass turned the game. It turned yeah. the game. Ongoing issue there. We've talked a lot about offense, and, and spring games are about offense. I think we, we all agreed on that last week. But defensively, were there maybe a couple of players that caught your eye and you thought this guy could really make strides going into the fall? Uh, for me, it was Jeremiah Moon. Uh, it seemed like whenever you know he was on the field, he was around the ball. Obviously, he was playing uh, against the first-team offense on the second-team defense. But he's the guy that came in last year, You know, even in fall camp, I think, was getting some attention. Plays a couple of games, gets hurt, then red shirts, and now he's back. And with that depth there, a concern. Uh, he's got an opportunity to, uh, you know, get some playing time. And I don't think he did anything at all to hurt that uh, prospect on, uh, in the orange or blue game. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, uh, one guy who uh, kind of caught my attention up front, Kyrie Campbell, defensive tackle, a newcomer, a, red, or a true freshman. Uh, he's, gosh, he's 320-some pounds, about 6'3", 6'4", mm. a big run plug in the middle of the line. I look for him to, uh, you know, have an impact early on because he's so big and he's probably the closest kind of body maybe they have to what they lost in Caleb Brantley. And also Kerry Clark's there too. So those guys uh, up front, that that's key for me. I'll just jump on uh, the Jeremiah Moon thing. I mean, to me, he has that long range. He looks like he could be a, a really good kind of edge rusher disruptor. Um, mm-hmm. He had that one play where he was he was credited with a sack and a cost fumble on Trask. Uh, I believe it was the second possession for the blue team, and 
he obviously showed some stuff. And this isn't a surprise to anybody because we got a preview of coming attractions with Sean Joseph last year, especially that hit that went all viral. I believe it was the LSU game, if I'm not mistaken. But I think, he, obviously, yeah. he's going to be a really, really good player there outside linebacker. Turning our attention to basketball, uh, seems like there's always news. Chris, even after we talked about the conclusion of the season a few weeks ago, you said there will be some attrition, and we found out this week what some of that attrition looks like. Yeah, and I'm not – you didn't have to be Karnak to figure that one out, Adam. <laughs> there was going to be some things that – there always happens, whether it was last year, I think there, there, uh, Alex Murphy left, Brandon Francis Ramirez left. Um, Eric Hester has announced uh, – the, he's the guard who was a freshman guard this year. Um, he's announced he's – He's going to transfer, and uh, you know that'll open up a spot on the roster, and certainly in the backcourt. Um, he didn't get a chance to play very much. He he was uh, Mike White's first signee per se, uh, freshman on. I guess Justin Leon technically was Mike's first signee as a junior college player, but he was the first member of a freshman uh, recruiting class. They initially they liked him because of his size. They liked his really long arms to play defense and what have you. Out of like I said, uh, old Mark Christian down there in Tampa. Um, and he got to play some this year. Didn't play a whole lot. I believe it was appeared in 20 games. He had his one shining moment, as it were, uh, at LSU when mm-hmm. he went five for five from the three point line. And Florida had 19 three pointers in that game. I believe they won 106 to 71, set the record for uh, three pointers in a game. And it was kind of uh, ironic that he did that because that's not what Eric Hester is. He's not a, a, a great long distance shooter. And yet, uh, he had the touch that night, so good for him. Uh, that night, he didn't get to play a whole lot after that. Once Igbunu got hurt, I think Florida, one of Florida's rotation options that they really wanted to stay with the whole time was you know, playing three guards, and that just wasn't going to include him. So uh, he'll look to move on elsewhere, and again, that'll open up a spot for the Gators, and uh, that spot initially will be taken by one David Okuru, who signed his national letter of intent on Wednesday and as a kid from a prep school up in New England, they believe he's a, he's actually, his story's kind of interesting. He doesn't start for his team, which is a nationally ranked team, because he's got guys in front of him that are going, I believe, to NC State and UConn. But he plays quite a bit, and his assist-to-turnover ratio, when I last checked, was 5-1. to one. Wow. So he's a guy who has a little bit of uh, size to him, a little bit of, uh, he's, I would call him something of a developmental player. But again, he's one of these guys, Mike White likes bigger sized guard who can come in and, and maybe make an impact right away. Certainly uh, get in the mix a little bit. What his role will be is obviously something that will be determined down the line. So that's what's happening on the men's side. On the women's side, we've been talking a lot lately about Cam Newbauer and what he's bringing to the program. I know you had a chance to spend some time around him and wrote a piece for FloridaGators.com. Well, what can you tell us about that? The NCAA... Adam allows for teams to practice two hours a week in the offseason. I mean, it's not really practice, it's got like a skill instruction kind of thing where they can emphasize fundamentals and what have you. So it's really a nice uh, ground floor springboard for uh, Cam Newbauer to get started with his team. And as you know, Adam, there are not a lot of players to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. He's got seven players he can work with because Delisha Washington obviously had, she had surgery on her uh, shoulder. So she has to stand off to the side, just kind of hang up. But he's doing some stuff uh, in terms of, you, you actually work with balls on the court. And he doesn't have his staff yet. I, I believe we'll, there'll be some news on that very, very shortly. But uh, uh, the girls are getting to know their new coach, the 10th coach in women's basketball history, the first male coach in women's basketball history at the University of Florida. And he's a high-energy guy. I talked to some people in the office uh, that just said you, you hear the guy coming. He announces himself when he's in the room. He wants stuff done his way. One of the things I found really interesting was one of the First things he threw down when he came to the program, met with him. He didn't like how the locker room looked. He said it was a mess. 
says, you're, you're not entitled to this. So uh, we're going to clean up the locker room and we're going to keep it clean. Make it presentable. You never know who's going to be walking in here. He goes, when you, you should respect it for the fact that you're going to be walking in here. Same with the court. I mean, he said he went walking out of the court. There's balls everywhere, empty bottles, maybe some jerseys here and there. He don't want that. He's, he wants to hold the managers accountable to it. Balls are going to be racked on the side. And this sounds like uh, uh, namby-pamby kind of stuff that may not be important. But in his thinking, off the court leads to on the court. Attention to detail over here leads to attention to detail over there. Um, just like he said, uh, uh, I don't know how this is going to manifest itself down the line, but I, I'm going to be interested to see it. I may even go out and hang out with them when they're doing this. But he's talking about going out and sending his, his players out to invite total strangers to basketball games. I want to be there to kind of see that because will there be some awkwardness with something like that? Yeah, I think there kind of would be. But his point to me was I want them to be uh, uh, comfortable being uncomfortable because there's going to be times in games where they're uncomfortable. And he goes, in practice, we're going to make them go five on six. We're going to put them four on five scramble plays uh, that will put them in adversarial situations on the floor and see how they react to them because eventually those adversarial situations in practice, those uncomfortable situations off the court will somehow come about uh, in January, February, and March. And he says this will better prepare them for it. It's different. The girls I talked to said it's different. The girls that I talked to, you know, said they came here to play for Amanda Butler. So this is a, a, a transition that they didn't expect, but it's one that they're dealing with. And again, we're on the ground level of it, but it'll be, it'll be fun to kind of see, uh, kind of see how it grows between now and when the season starts in November. Yeah, and check out that piece on FloridaGators.com and also Gator Tales episode 75. Uh, we had a long sit-down with Cam Newbauer. He's a really interesting guy, has a great story. I would encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, wrapping things up with some gymnastics, Scott, we're talking to you today from St. Louis. Meet you in St. Louis, apparently. Tell us what we should expect to see from Jenny Rowan's team this weekend. Well, yeah, the Gators are out here with a lot of their uh, SEC friends. At the NCAA Gymnastics Championships in St. Louis, um, they uh, start competition, at least Florida does, on the Friday night, the second session. Uh, and they're going to be in the same session with Georgia, LSU, Alabama, and a couple others. So uh, it's going to be very SEC heavy. It's on ESPNU. It uh, moves over to ESPN at 9 p.m. So it's, it's going to be live. But, you know, Florida comes out here with the uh, – you know, it's another uh, good team, Jenny Rowland's second. It's a younger team than her first. You know, there were still some leftovers from the Ronda Fane era last year. Uh, this year, there's five new freshmen. Alex McMurtry is kind of the, uh, the star. Kennedy Baker, you know, Alicia Bourne. So it's a talented team. Uh, they should be right in the thick of things if, if they perform at, you know, what they they can. And uh, I'm going to be writing a piece myself later on Rachel Slocum, and uh, she's a, a newcomer who's just re-energized the, the program. I mean, she's kind of a, a quirky one that the, became a fan favorite in Gainesville, and uh, we'll see how she does that here. But that's kind of the scene right now from St. Louis, Adam. Gentlemen, as always, uh, a lot to recap, and thank you so much for being here for us. Thank you, Adam. All right. Thanks, Adam. For all of the former Gators like Jared Davis and Quincy Wilson that are expected to go in the first round of this month's NFL draft, there are guys like Joey Ivey that are just battling to get their names called before all is said and done. After hearing Ivey's remarkable story back in episode 61 in the fall, our focus this time around was finding out what the pre-draft process has been like for the Tampa native. 
definitely been a, a very eventful uh, pre-draft process. The mentality of not knowing where you're going to go, the anxiety sometimes of not knowing where you're going to go, but I think it's just part of growing up and um, you know, not worrying and not having anxiety and just letting everything go and just letting it play out is, I feel like, is the best thing someone can do. Um, you know, and, and just say at the end of the day, whatever happens, happens. And uh, I feel like God has a plan for people's lives. Um, so hopefully you know, I have some great things in store. We had a chance to talk to you back in the fall, and, and you told your story. When you've gone through the things that you've gone through, mm-hmm. is this just a, a blip on the radar? I mean, how does that help you keep all this in perspective? It does. Um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I try not to keep so much pressure on my shoulders, but, you know, obviously when you go through a lot, uh, you go through a lot of pain, and uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a motivator. But um, it's cool to be able to go out here and uh, represent my last name, um, you know, because your last name, it means a lot. You know, you represent your whole family. Um, you know, I, I represent my sister. Um, so, you know, I would tell anybody, you know, make sure you represent your last name the correct way. What's been the, the number one thing that people have talked to you about in terms of what you need to show people to get to that next level? What have they really encouraged you to work on? Probably, you know, playing low uh, pad level. Um, you know, hands, just critiquing myself in film, recognizing plays. You know, I could, there's always something in the game that you could have did better in. Not being complacent and working on little things that other people don't work on, you know. Uh, changing from the way you eat, from the way you work out, um, just your lifestyle. You know, everything uh, plays an effect. Uh, you know, I'm a huge, firm, firm believer in all the little things create a great thing. And uh, you know, I wish I would learn that at a younger age. But, um, you know, when you start living right and doing the right things, you know, it starts playing out into great things. Getting a chance to play in some of the, the postseason games that you did, what did that do for you? How important were those experiences? It was pretty cool because, you know, obviously it was like playing in the pre-NFL, like almost like an NFL uh, preseason game. Mm-hmm. In a way, I mean, obviously, it'd be better players, but it was still you got guys who were going to be chasing the same dream. So it was kind of cool to get a little taste of that. Uh, it definitely showed me that playing the SEC definitely helps a little bit. So you, you told a story with the guy. I, I didn't hear all of it. You talked about your girlfriend calling and telling you about you had to play in that game. Yeah, she was like, she was like telling me, she was like, Joe, you better play in this game. I'm like, why? I don't want to end up tweaking myself and pull myself out of combat. I thought I was going to combat by the time. And uh, and she was like, you better listen to me. And, you know, obviously sometimes some women, they, they get that, that <laughs> in, intuitive instinct feeling that uh, you should listen to. So I was just like, you know, I got to listen to you. And I ended up playing the game did fairly well. So I definitely helped myself a little bit playing the game. Now that everything here is in the rearview mirror, what stands out to you about your time here at Florida? The camaraderie, the friendships, the, uh, the competitiveness, um, you know, the hard work. You know, you just put so much blood, sweat, and tears into the program. And, you know, people that say student-athletes, they have it so good. Um, Once you come out here and work out with me uh, throughout my day, once you come work out with me for a whole week while I'm here, just come uh, see how it feels. Um, You know, so I I have a lot of respect for a lot of college athletes because they, you know, they have to maintain school, football, and, you know, obviously working out and conditioning and all kinds of little things, meetings, and, you know, you don't get a ton of free time that you want. You know, some, some guys miss out on a lot of things in college, but, you know, you have to um, give up some things to gain some things in life. And, you know, I, I feel like my experience here was great. Uh, you know, I love the Florida Gators. I love the Florida Gator Nation. Um, I love every single part of it. I love being a part of it. Some things I wish would have played out better uh, with my career, but you can't, sometimes you can't control things like that. So I just got to uh, do what I can at the next level and take advantage of every opportunity I have. This program has produced so many professional athletes. Hmm. 
how has that been a resource for you? Which guys in particular have you leaned on during this process? Uh, me and Caleb Brantley are pretty close, and uh, Alex Anzalone, we all talk quite a bit about things. Um, you know, I don't really talk to too many older guys. Actually, down at my training facility, XP, I'll talk to some guys there in the league now. They're on mm-hmm. the third, fourth year. Um, I'm actually kind of friends with a couple guys. But, you know, guys that went here, um, I'm not really in too too much contact. I talked to Fowler uh, once or twice. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's kind of guys I'm in the process with, like Brantley, uh, sometimes Cox and Anzalone. And this guy, a lot of guys that came out with, even J.D., Jared Davis. So... Enjoy. Good luck to you throughout the rest of this process. Thank you so much, man. The gymnastics program reached phenomenal heights just a few years ago when Ron Fane led the Orange and Blue to three straight national titles. And now Jenny Rowland is in her second year trying to return the Gators to that ultimate level of glory. Gator Vision Shelby Grenath caught up with Coach Rowan shortly after the Gators arrived in St. Louis for nationals and asked her what the buildup to Friday night will entail. next few days should be filled with lots of fun. Uh, this team uh, has done a great job this season of putting themselves in a position to be successful. Uh, it is. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be where we are right now. And it's something that I don't want them to take for granted. There's only 12 teams here out of over 80 plus teams. And uh, it's a really it's a really special moment. And really the next few days I want this team to embrace the moment Uh, enjoy each other and really just have fun doing what we've been working so hard all year. Before we look ahead and preview nationals, came out as regional champions. What were the positives from that meet a few weeks ago? I think there are a lot of positives. Uh, We had many great performances. Um, I think another positive uh, you can say started with a negative. We didn't have a great first event. We hadn't had an event like that all all year long, so uh, it was a good it was a good test. It was a good test for this team to be able to reset, uh, refocus, and come back strong on uh, three events and still uh, win the competition with the fall. Alex won her second consecutive all around performance that meet. What has her junior year been like? There are not many people who can achieve as much as Alex has achieved already. She is really the epitome of the student athlete that you want to have on your team as a teammate, as a coach. Um, She is so determined and so dedicated uh, to the sport of gymnastics, to her team, uh, to her studies, and everything she does in life. And uh, it's it's really great to see her reaping, you know, these awards and um, being recognized for the success that she's had this year. She's extremely humble and uh, always puts the team first. So uh, it's been really exciting to see all of her hard work come to this point. She won the Elite 90 Award, we found out tonight. How special is that? It's one of the most uh, prestigious awards uh, in NCAA uh, athletics. Not only recognizes the talent and the hard work and the accomplishments in your sport, but also, um, you know, the other full-time job that these student athletes put in in college, and that's being a student and um, it just goes to show she has a 4.0 GPA and an incredibly hard major and um, it just shows the dedication uh, and commitment of this athlete. You have a very talented freshman class this year between SECs and regionals how have they been handling postseason? They've been handling postseason well it's been uh, a long season for them Uh, this group is not used to competing this many meets 
uh, at any given period of time. And we had to just refocus a little bit to uh, allow them to have some downtime after SECs before regionals. And I really think that helped them kind of reset uh, their, their mind and uh, their bodies. But uh, practices have been going really well and they are rejuvenated and focused and um, ready to keep doing what they've been doing all season long. You had the last practice in the Odom yesterday. Tomorrow is practice day for NCAAs. How is the team looking heading into this weekend? This week has been great. Uh, there was a little uh, mental break uh, after regionals, uh, a good two, three days. Um, but this team really has put in the work and the time and the effort uh, all season long. Uh, it, it was necessary to have have a little downtime. So uh, everybody's been refocused, and this week has really been been on point. The energy level, the focus, the quality of turns that we've been taking this week. Uh, numbers haven't been high, but the quality is, has been outstanding. So uh, looking forward to one good uh, practice tomorrow, and really that practice tomorrow is just to get used to the equipment. It's a practice day for... Uh, competition, uh, get used to the equipment, figure out, uh, adjust what they need to adjust, and, and be ready and comfortable to go on uh, Friday. There's a lot of good competition here. What will your team need to do to come out on top? This team has to compete against themselves. That's will be their biggest challenge. Uh, they can't let themselves get in their own way. This team is an extremely talented, uh, dedicated team, and uh, have al already been very successful and uh, to come in uh, this weekend with um, high energy with no stress with just them being being them and they're going to be successful and uh, looking forward to seeing them be loose and just being a family out on the competition floor. All season, the motto, the theme has kind of been the story continues. Can you explain that a little bit and how important that is to this team? Uh, I think it's a really great life lesson in general. Really, just trying to better yourself on a daily basis is part of the story continues. Um, whenever you have a setback, whenever uh, something doesn't go your way, learn from that mistake, learn from that uh, life lesson, and move forward from it. Uh, don't let it fester. Don't uh, dwell on it. Uh, just be able to let it go and, and move forward. And really, um, that's what this team is all about. They've done a great job of taking it one step at a time, moving forward day by day, and uh, really just getting better every day and uh, making the most of, of this time that they have. I know it's hard to believe, but your second year is coming to an end. Look back on your second year here, and what was year two like for you? Year two was... Had a, had a lot of similarities that as to year one. Uh, year two was learning about the team members again. That's that's the most important uh, thing that I feel is is necessary in order to have a successful team. You've got to know your players. You've got to know their needs, and they're growing on a daily basis. As as am I. As is my staff. Uh, so getting to know what that individual athlete's needs are. How to make them tick, how to make them better, and then in turn make the team be as cohesive as possible and take ownership as much as possible. That's the challenge, and that's the challenge of being a coach, and that's what I love doing. Um, looking back on it, it was absolutely nothing like it was my very first year. Uh, different challenges, 
things were a lot easier. Some things were a little more difficult, but uh, I think all in all, this team has really just done a great job of taking the reins, taking ownership of their gymnastics, of their team, and uh, they've been successful up to now. This time last year is your first year you're heading into nationals and the team had won three national championships in a row. Did you feel any pressure heading into the, that situation and does it feel any different this year? I always feel pressure. Uh, it's it's the pressure that I put on myself. Uh, my standards are high. My, my dreams, my goals are high, but um, I think they're within reach. Uh, I, I didn't feel excessive pressure that I wouldn't have felt uh, having coached the last 15 years. Um, and just make it a point to really live in the moment. And I know that we can only control what we can control. Uh, there are a lot of things that are out of our control. And uh, just to know that we're doing the best that we can uh, in the gym and doing the best that we can off the competition floor and getting better every day, that's that's all I can ask. So um, as far as pressure goes, I, I really I like to say that I don't feel the pressure because I know we've, put, we've done our job, we've done the work, um, we've built those relationships, we've made those memories, and looking forward to making a few more this weekend. No matter what, the season will be over on Sunday. What are your plans for after season? I will be taking um, a few days off out of the office, but probably not mentally. Uh, and then it's, it's hitting the road again, recruiting, uh, really. It, it's a year-round job for us. Uh, but I don't consider it a job. It's it's my life, it's my passion, and it's something that I really enjoy doing. So uh, getting out on the road, uh, recruiting new future Gators is always an exciting uh, part uh, of uh, this position. And um, definitely uh, spending some time with my family, but looking forward to you know taking a little breather, letting the girls have uh, a break physically, mentally, and uh, getting back in and, and let's start this all over again. What is a summer like for you as a head coach? I usually um, meet with our staff and I'm like, okay, you need you need to take a break. It's it's very important to us more mentally uh, than anything. Uh, you need that mental break. Uh, you need to take that time and you know do what you love to do. Go hang out with your family or travel or whatever whatever it is that you do. Uh, for me, it's it's definitely uh, being with my family and uh, looking forward to maybe taking a vacation. I haven't been able to do that these last uh, few summers. Uh, it's been a little chaotic, uh, a little hectic, and looking forward to definitely going to the, a beach somewhere, uh, laying in the sand, reading a book, uh, watching my kids surf, and just, just relaxing and enjoying uh, a little bit of downtime. Do you guys have any vacations planned yet? I want to go to the Florida Keys um, or the Bahamas. My my daughters and I are trying to convince Daddy that that's that's what we need to do is go to the Bahamas. But uh, we we haven't won that battle yet. We're still working on it. Um, if not, um, Florida Keys, some beach, some beach somewhere. And uh, we do have we have three camps coming up this summer, which uh, we didn't have last year due to the renovations. So um, that's always a fun time to have. Oh, um, let's see, 140 kids times three uh, in the gym. Just so excited about gymnastics. They just so excited about Florida, so excited to be around the team um, and just being able to be a part of something special. So uh, that's always a joy and fun part of what we do in the summer. How nice will it be to have some of the girls stick around to help out with those camps, and I'm sure some of them are taking classes and just kind of be able to 
see them around it'll it'll be great um the first uh, mini muster they they do they need a break uh, they need to go home spend time with their families uh, their loved ones uh, mentally physically heal and uh, then they'll be back uh, at the end of june so it'll it'll be a nice break for them uh, and then for them to get back and just kind of ease their way back into the swing of things uh, just getting you know in the best physical shape they can um, and doing a little gymnastics, maybe maybe learning a trick here and there. That's uh, always the fun part about summer. So uh, looking forward to having them around. Uh, it was pretty boring last year. Uh, I was in the office. Um, I like getting out of my office and being in the gym a lot more than being in the office. So um, yeah, having them around and having them for camp, it just it makes it a lot a lot of fun. Well, Coach, thank you so much for talking to us. Good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Go Gators. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales in the podcast app of your choice, and please leave a review to help us continue to grow. We'll be back next week with another new episode, so don't forget to join us. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in St. Louis.